Well, hello there. Welcome back. I'm sure that you saw that today is part two of the hormone conversation I had with Chris Walsh, the owner of WMS Hormone Optimization. If you haven't listened to the podcast that I did last week, I am going to highly suggest that you pause this one and you go back to that one and you listen to it because that one is going to go over common hormone issues among women, signs and symptoms, when to get tested, and what to even ask your doctor to test for vitamin deficiencies that affect our mood and our ability to lose weight and even feel good and how to honestly advocate for our health with our doctors so that we can just have a better quality of life. In that interview with Chris, one of the things that we actually dove into was stress and its effect on our ability to lose weight and its effect on our ability in gaining weight. And I felt like it was such a good piece of conversation and it was so clear that I wanted to make a part two and really get into stress and how it affects our weight and how it affects so many other things in our life with our sleep and our nutrition and so much more because I think it's really common for us to always want a quick fix, always want a supplement or a pill or something to make us feel better when a lot of times we have to look at within what things we can fix on our own. So I am super excited for the topic today on stress. One of the things that I think we forget is that stress is actually linked to depression, insomnia, panic attacks, anxiety, and so much more. But today, when we talk about stress and when Chris answers the question about stress, we're going to link it with weight gain, your sleep, and your nutrition. The way he explains stress and how it is literally a triple threat against our ability to lose weight or even maintain weight is insane. So I'm really excited for this episode. We're going to start with me asking him about stress and to explain it, and then we're going to get into some ways that we can reduce our stress and how we can make this more effective for us. So let's get into it. My name's Andrea Allen, and I am a mother of four girls under seven, a wifey to a mountain man, a personal trainer, and a nutrition coach. I love all things women's health and fitness, but let's face it, the fitness industry is complicated, and it's not built for the everyday mom. There's so much conflicting information, and you're busy, and you don't have time to figure it out. I hate feeling confused and overwhelmed, so I have made it my mission to simplify health and fitness while creating a welcoming, realistic, and empowering home for like-minded women. I'm happy you're here and I hope you stay a while. Maybe you can explain how stress really does because we talked about, you know, how women have so much on their plate and they overthink everything and they think about what's behind them and what's in front of them. So maybe this would be a good time for you to explain how stress honestly is connected to our ability to lose weight. Sure, absolutely. So when when we stress out, we release this hormone called cortisol from our adrenal glands. The adrenal glands sit on top of the kidneys and cortisol is a very important hormone for life. We would die without it. Um, cortisol is released throughout the day, and it has an effect by increasing blood sugar levels. Um, ideally, in a normal cortisol pattern, it's highest in the morning, and then it starts to wane off throughout the day. So if you think of like an early cortisol awakening response, so you start to ultimately cause the liver to release a little bit of blood sugar, and then it starts to get you up and you get your day started. So it provides energy to you, right? Because we don't have a lot of just free glucose hanging around in the blood. So cortisol helps us release some of it that's stored in the liver. Well, whenever we get stressed out, we get startled, you know, what have you, we're going to release this hormone called cortisol. And what cortisol 
does in, in a period of acute stress, it's normally released alongside with adrenaline. So adrenaline, everybody kind of knows what's going on. Your pupils get real big. You know, your, your blood vessels constrict, your heart starts beating. And then you get cortisol at the same time. And this cortisol actually provides sugar energy to us. And that's one of, it's the glucose that's coming out of, out of our cells, or I'm sorry, that are stored in our liver and in some of our muscle tissue. And it's not supposed to be around all day long. So if you think about it from like, you know, from a nature perspective, everyone's the bear jumps out of the trees and you release a bunch of adrenaline and cortisol, and then you get to make a decision of whether you're going to run away or you're going to stand and fight your ground. So it's that fight or flight response. Well, and then I have after that fight the, or flight response a lot with my kids when they don't listen to me. Oh, I could see. Yeah, I could see it. It's a stress hormone. Absolutely. Get in bed! Right. You start to get all fired up. Your face turns red. Yeah. Um, don't drown in the tub. Oh, yeah, that would do. Yeah, that would do it, too. Um, and so what all and you're not supposed to stay in that state all day long. You know, you're supposed to go very very rarely, actually. I mean, human beings are not supposed to be in the state of fight or flight all day long. Well, what we need to do is we need to spend more time in the parasympathetic state. And this is your rest and digest. This is where you're creating complex thoughts. This is where your body's recovering from exercise. This is where your digestion is. This is largely where your sexuality is also. So women with low libido who are under real stressful circumstances, a lot of times there's kind of your answer right there is that if you're in the fight or flight state, it's not where your libido lives. Your libido lives in the rest and digest. And so you get this cortisol effect and it's supposed to wane. Well, when you're exposed to it over and over and over again, because your body doesn't really know the difference between I'm starving, I'm being attacked by a rival village perpetually, I'm being chased by a pack of wolves, or I'm on the go so much and my boss wants to kill me and I want to cry when I go to work and I'm exhausted in between seeing clients or whatever. Your body has the same stress management protocol and it's going to release cortisol and cortisol and cortisol and cortisol. Well, if you release cortisol nonstop, your body thinks that you're in this life or death situation. And since historically human beings, the life or death situation revolved around starvation. So cortisol itself as a hormone is catabolic, meaning destructive to muscle tissue and it's anabolic, meaning it grows fat tissue. Ah, there's the kicker. (laughs) There you go. Right. And then it's even a little, it's even a little worse than that. So you have an area of your brain that's kind of like your, we'll call it your rapid access memory. And we call this your hippocampus. Well, when your hippocampus is exposed to cortisol and cortisol and cortisol and cortisol and cortisol, it doesn't like it. It's like, okay, something is wrong. And so what'll happen, and you see this in lab work often it starts to exert a suppressive effect on thyroid. Thyroid is your metabolism hormone. So thyroid tells the body to burn fatty acids. Thyroid tells the body to burn glucose within the cell. And so now I've got this constant exposure to cortisol. It's causing my muscle to break down. It's causing my fat to store. It's suppressing my thyroid. And you can kind of see where the story goes from here. That's like a triple threat of death. <laughs> right. So, but just think about like our ancestors didn't have food. And so the body's like, you know what? I am so stressed out right now. I'm probably starving. And so oh, it's going sense. to conserve energy. And because we would not have served any of our ancestors that could not survive the famine 
didn't live long enough to reproduce. So all of our ancestors are capable of storing fat. And so we are the descendants of people who are capable of storing fat. So we need to look at it like that. So the question isn't, how do I manipulate everything around me to fit my lifestyle? The question really should be, how do I change my life to fit what I am? And so that's what we're thinking about, the idea that you have to get seven to eight hours of sleep a night. Children should be sleeping nine to ten. And the idea of only sleeping four or five hours, you know, this doesn't work. This is going to catch up with it long time. As a matter of fact, when you don't sleep so much, you're not clearing cortisol very well. And so now you've got this stress hormone. You start to chase energy. you got cortisol. And when we're stressed out and we're tired, I don't know about you, but I don't generally turn to a ribeye and broccoli. I normally no, am looking for a sweet snack. Yeah, I'm looking no, for. I'm looking for that like quick that's energy. A quick, yeah, it's a quick get your insulin up, and you know, gives you a little high if you have something with some carbohydrates that are simple sugars. <laughs> yeah, and then you're chasing it for the rest of the day, and yes. so then it's like caffeine, sugar, caffeine, sugar, caffeine, sugar. Whereas that person that would take the extra time and stay in bed for the full seven and a half, eight hours. Now, guys need a little bit less sleep. Most guys will actually do pretty well on a six and a half to seven and a half. Women, nope, you're a little more complicated. So women generally need anywhere from like seven to eight and a half, nine hours. So if you're a person who feels better with nine hours of sleep, don't beat yourself up over that. That's not a problem. This is who you are. Human, like it, We decided that we're going to try to fill every minute of the day with an activity. Yeah. We're supposed to sleep. So like I do tell people like, you know, you got to try to get those eight hours of sleep. If you look at any top performing athlete, they're sleeping eight hours. I'm telling you right now, your high level people aren't really living on five hours of sleep. And if they're doing it, they're not doing it for long. No. And that makes sense. I love that you connected, you know, the weight with the cortisol, with the sleep. And I know a lot of my listeners are thinking, oh yeah. So how do I do, how do I do that when I have a toddler or an infant or whatever. And I, I think about that myself and I'm like, I understand that there are circumstances where we can't help that a baby needs fed in the night or that a child work, wakes up. But I also can honestly say there are times when my kids are in bed and I'm scrolling on my phone or I'm watching a show with my husband instead of choosing to go to bed. So while I do understand, and I'm sure Chris is on the same page, that there are circumstances where you have to wake up to care for a child. But I still think that we could all take a look and say, am I actually going to bed when I could go to bed? Or am I kind of wandering around my house, killing time because it's free time instead of sleeping? So if you do have a baby, think about that. Am I wasting 30 minutes, you know, before I go to bed? If not, try to cut it out because obviously, as you just heard, sleep is crucial to keeping that cortisol low and, you know, for keeping your weight in check. So I could tell you that I, I follow a lot of bodybuilders. Um, I like performance athletes. It's just, it's something that I'm into. And we all can pretty much agree that if I had to prioritize health, I'm going to put it in the order of sleep, nutrition, exercise in that order. That's crazy. That's really cool to hear actually. Cause I don't know if I would do it in that order. I think most people would assume, Oh, it's exercise first. And I actually agree that that makes sense that it's sleep, nutrition, then exercise. Well, the benefits of your exercise are going to be appreciated while you're sleeping with the building blocks of your proper nutrition. And so the, you know, when I'm talking to, when I'm talking to patients and I do spend a fair amount of time talking about exercise, when we exercise, I, I say, look, you're, you're taking a step back and when you sleep and you eat appropriately, you're taking two steps forward. So ah. 
I look at it. So it's like that. I, at the end of a year, I'm going to be many, many steps forward. Right. But if I keep stepping back too far, I'm never even going to come up to the finish. I'm never going to come up to my baseline. And so you would be better served to not go to the gym in the morning and get the sleep as opposed to chronically being under recovered because the chronic under recovery is going to catch up at some point in time. Yeah. Like I love going to the gym. It's my, it's my happy place also. And so it is just a matter of how do I budget my time? How do I make things more effective? Um, there's a common theme that with, with a lot of my patients, particularly my, my female patients that they feel that their kids need to be in jujitsu and gymnastics and cheer and swimming and, you know, okay, I, I, I appreciate that you want to let your children have like this super, super enriched life, but there's also something to be said for children using their imagination. There's also something to be said for downtime and for being comfortable in downtime. And so at the same time though, I, I would urge particularly your listeners to, to realize what kind of habits are we teaching our children? Am I teaching my children that every minute of the day has to be occupied with something or they're not worthwhile, or is it like, Hey, we're going to have some downtime. We're going to sit here as a family. We're going to turn off the TV. We're going to read a book. We're just going to learn how to, to, to occupy ourselves. And I think that at the end of the day, they're going to be more enriched being able to utilize their imagination and think for themselves also. So, I mean, I know that's just my opinion. It's just, no, I can see that though, because it, it would help also them stay in their rest zone. You know, when we're talking about stress and even you, because when you're always running kids everywhere, you're got to get here, got to get there. So it's not good for you. And then the kid's always running from this practice to that practice, that practice. And then that teaches the kid to be stressed. So I can see what you're saying. Exactly. I mean, we are monkey see monkey do. And so like, if, if my children look at me as like this ball of explosive stress all the time, they're going to take on those characteristics. And I don't think anybody wants their children to stress out. I don't think anybody wants their children to have high anxiety. So these are just little things to think about that maybe do I need to do all of this for them? Or is it possible that we could kind of just learn how to appreciate, you know, appreciate what we have and spend some time and, and just kind of finding balance in life seems to be kind of like a big theme that, you know, keeping up with the Joneses isn't really a, ha- isn't really a healthy way to live. That's just at the end of the day. And I could see that a lot of my people are broken when they come in here. Um, and a, a lot of times all to live for your mentality either, not only just, right. you know, your health inside, but for your mental health. <laughs> Right. And this all ties into cortisol. So like, I mean, that's what I'm, hopefully I'm not going down too much of a tangent, but this all ties into cortisol. So a lot of times it's not about looking for a hormone fix or looking for this fix or this supplement fix. A lot of times it's like, okay, I have to remove a toxin. What is the toxin? Well, the toxin Uh could be an unhealthy relationship. The toxin could be, I'm overstressed. The toxin could be food. The toxin could be an environment that's not conducive for just healthy living in general. It's about trusting the process. It's about living better, living healthier, and trusting that's going to work. And then after, you know, the, the weight, the weight loss isn't necessarily going to happen because if you have a broken metabolism because your cortisol is so high and it's wrecked, it's it's wrecked, you know, havoc on your thyroid. Well, now here you are, you know, you're going to focus on making yourself feel better first. You're going to focus on healthy living. And then we start looking down the road because cortisol will suppress the thyroid. Thyroid will suppress your sex hormones. So if I jump right into fixing sex hormones, but I haven't addressed thyroid or cortisol, I'm kind of missing a, I'm missing a couple important steps. Uh, in there. 
So basically we need to a little bit slow down and look at what we can take off our plate and look at how we can almost simplify because that's, that's part of the problem is everything is so complicated and, you know, so many activities, so many things going on, so many, you know, even with social media and there's just so much you're just saying, if we simplified, we could calm the stress down. And when the stress calms down, we sleep better and our thyroid functions better and we will metabolize food better and just so many layers to that that just go on and on. All of the above. It's absolutely correct. Wow. I was amazed listening to his response and I really feel like it keys into how stress honestly affects our ability to lose weight in so many ways. And I think what we can all take away from that is that short-term stress is okay and that's totally normal. But when it's long-term stress, it actually is really hindering our health and causing us to have lack of sleep and weight gain and hurting our nutrition. So let's get into that a little bit. One of the things he explained was that long-term stress actually boosts our hunger. And as he explained, it is because when your body is constantly stressed, it is going into fight or flight, and that signals to your body that it is working really hard and it needs extra calories to support working really hard. Now, obviously, years ago, as he explained, that might have been jumping and running away from a bear. But now, a lot of our stress is mental stress, so we actually don't need those extra calories. The other thing that cortisol is doing is it's causing higher insulin levels and then your blood sugar drops, which is normally when your blood sugar drops, you're not craving, you know, chicken and vegetables or broccoli or whatever it is. You're going to be craving sugary, fatty foods. So not only are we thinking we need more calories, but we're actually craving the things that aren't good for us, the simple carbs, the easy, quick fixes to like make us feel good in the moment when we're stressed, that quick high. So we're craving the foods that aren't even very good for us. I think bottom line, we can all realize that more stress is going to create more cortisol. The more cortisol we have, the higher our appetite for junk foods is going to be. So while we're reaching for those junk foods, we're reaching for things that aren't even necessarily super great for us and that are going to make us feel great long term because of the stress, the cortisol is also suppressing our thyroid and the body's ability to digest that junk food properly. So while we're having more junk food, we're also not digesting it as good. And then the cherry on top of all of that is that as we're having more junk food and we're not digesting it as well, Because of cortisol, your body is also more likely to break down your muscle because cortisol is catabolic and also more likely to store and grow fat because cortisol is anabolic for fat tissue. Mind blown, right? That's just like everything's like, oh no, stress is so bad for you. I have got to figure out how to reduce my stress because That is like multiple things working against you. And I don't know about you, but I don't need more factors making it harder for me to be healthy. So let's talk now about how we can naturally reduce our stress, things we can do. We discussed a little bit of it in the question with Chris, but I'm going to go into a little bit more detail about that and see that if we can maybe reduce our stress, that we can feel better and then also in turn have better success with our health and our weight maintenance or our weight loss, depending on our goals. So let's get into a handful of things that we can do to bring our stress levels down. The first thing that we're going to talk about is to clear our schedules. 
Now, I know Chris talked about this, saying how when we schedule every single minute of every single day, it's creating so much stress in our life, and actually, it's creating stress in our kid's life. And I am all for having your kids in activities. I grew up in activities. I love them. I have my kids in a few activities, but I think what he's explaining and what I can agree with is that we don't need to be in every single activity. We don't need to go from thing to thing to place to place and just feel overwhelmed because we're doing so much there's something to be said for slowing down a little bit and enjoying, you know, time where we're using our brains and using our minds and spending time together because our society is already so much at your fingertips, fast paced, everything, everything is like, if you don't have it in 10 seconds, it's not worth it, that I think it would be good for us all to slow down and look at our schedules and say, what can I honestly clear out? What do we not need that is really improving our happiness? Because sometimes when we jam our schedule so full, we're not even enjoying the things we're doing because they're so jam-packed in there. Now, I know some people are saying, I can't improve my schedule. That I don't even know how to do that because I, it's so busy and there's nothing I can kick out. Well, in those moments, I think we can focus on mindfulness. So I think taking mental breaks or using breathing techniques even just sitting for a few minutes with no stimulation and just being in your mind, I think is effective. A lot of times I will have a lot of work activities that I need to get done for work and then I'm dealing with my kids and there isn't a ton of break in there. But even if I step outside for, you know, a breath of fresh air for a few minutes, it can help, you know, ease tension and calm me down and there's no stimulus and it just kind of brings me back down. Another thing I like to do is go on a quick walk. It can just be a couple minutes, but that can also really help clear your mind. So if you can't clear your schedule out, I want you to focus on mindfulness and taking small breaks and focusing on clearing your mind to create some peace throughout the day. Now, along with clearing our schedule and mindfulness, I something that I like to practice is I love to do time blocking. So because I run a business and I also have four kids under the age of seven, it gets really crazy at my house. So I have gotten big into time blocking where I try to set out certain times of the day or certain things where I do certain things. So it's very easy for me to hyper focus on a project. Like I'll be like, oh, I want to create this with bands and I could literally work all night and all day into it and forget about everything else. But when I time block, it makes sure that I stay balanced. So I can give you some ideas of time blocking. I like to time block even fun activities and things that are relaxing and things you enjoy. For example, just eating your meals with your family or sitting and talking. I know that sounds crazy, but time block some time to sit with your spouse and just talk, just talk to each other. Playing games with, you know, your kids or friends or even going on a date with your spouse. I think setting aside exact time where we can actually enjoy ourselves and relax, which I know it sounds crazy, but sometimes we're so busy, we don't even know how to set that aside. So setting that into our schedule where we can just have some time, some downtime can be really helpful with time blocking. A lot of times people think of time blocking as always work related and to like get projects done. But honestly, I think time blocking to help reduce your stress and have some relaxing downtime would be effective as well. I read a study that women in particular, when they spend some time with their friends and family, that it helps release oxytocin, which is a natural stress 
reliever. And that effect is called the tend and befriend. It's basically the opposite of fight or flight. It helps bring you out of fight and flight and keeps you in that rest and digest where Chris said we all thrive and do much better. So if you get so busy that you look back at your week and you realize, oh my gosh, I did nothing enjoyable, relaxing. I didn't laugh with my family. Laughing is also another huge stress reliever. They did a study where they said that people who had cancer and the group that they had normal laughter and they created things where they would laugh a lot in the intervention group experienced more stress relieving symptoms instead of just being distracted. So if you look back at your week and you realize I've not done anything relaxing, I've not done anything enjoyable, I'm barely even laughing, then I want you to time block in a super fun activity or even just sitting on the couch and playing Old Maid with your family. I don't even care what game you play. Old Maid is legendary around here with my four-year-old and my seven-year-olds, even my (laughs) two-year-old. So just do something that's enjoyable to help you get down into that rest and digest that calm stage so you can get out of fight or flight, which you might live in all the time if you have a lot on your plate. The third thing I'm going to suggest is creating healthy coping mechanisms. The thing that I see a lot of times with my clients and I've done in the past is that we get stressed, we feel overwhelmed, and then we deal with it by um, having a giant tub of ice cream or go having multiple glasses of wine or whatever your coping mechanism is. But I want you to think about having healthy coping mechanisms. So while the tub of ice cream might feel great in that moment, it's actually counterproductive for improving our health because you have the tub of ice cream to relieve the stress. But then all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, I ate the whole tub of ice cream and you're super stressed that you ate the tub of ice cream. So I want you to focus on the healthier side of things. Maybe taking a walk, having a quick bath drawn for you, going outside for fresh air like we talked about. Or honestly, this is a big one for my moms. Ask your husband to take turns with you in activities. Sometimes when we're putting our kids to bed, I'm just done. I'm done with my kids. I've had it up to here. They've all been crazy during the day. And I will say to my husband, so I need a little mental break from our little beautiful, lovely children. And he will put them to bed alone and I will go downstairs and do something relaxing. And honestly, sometimes he says the same thing to me because we both are really involved in our children's lives. And so he'll say, babe, I can't do the kids anymore right now. I was outside with them. They were all screaming at the park. I was losing my mind. And I'll say, no big deal. Let's take a turn. And I will put them to bed. And that does help ease the burden on your spouse so you can take turns doing that. And then you can also take turns coming out of the stress and having some downtime. And that's a very healthy coping mechanism to just have some alone time and maybe do something for self-care, paint your nails, um, put lotion on, whatever you want, a face mask. My friend gave me these face masks. I love them. You literally open them up and they're just warm and you put them on your eyes and they're warm for like 20 minutes and that's it. And I will just lay there and think and my face feels warm with this mask on it and it's actually awesome. And sometimes like my coping mechanism. Another one is I will just lay in bed with my husband and we will talk and we'll have these face masks on and it's hilarious and we laugh about it. But it is a good way for us to ease our stress without doing something else, which is going to cause us more stress, like drinking a bunch of glasses of wine and then worrying about weight gain in that way or having an entire tub of ice cream or something like that, which It may relieve the stress in the moment, but it's going to create more stress over time, if that makes sense. 
I know some of you guys are going to want to not listen to me anymore when I say this next one, but something you may also want to think about is reducing your caffeine intake. Now, obviously, the way that caffeine affects everybody is different, but caffeine is a stimulant. And the effects on everyone is different. But if you notice that when you're having caffeine, it's making you jittery or anxious or you're feeling even more heightened of stress, that's not good for you. That is what the fight or flight does. So I would suggest cutting back on your caffeine if you notice that it's making you overly stimulated because that's what stress does as well. You feel basically overly stimulated. So that's something to just measure for yourself. The amount people can have for caffeine varies and its effects on you vary. So just be aware that if it's making you jittery or anxious, it might be something that's worth cutting back to help ease your stress and even anxiety if you have anxiety. The last one I'm going to talk about, which obviously Chris talked about a ton, is improving our sleep. Now, as I said in the interview with him, I know that sleep is hard for my young moms. I know because I am a young mom and I have been, I, my oldest are seven. My sleep in the last seven years has not been ideal. But as also explained, I also look at my sleep schedule sometimes and say, am I wasting time because it's free time when I should be sleeping? Because that will actually make me feel better than sitting there being mindless and watching a show. If I sleep better, I will feel better throughout the day. So I want you to just take a look at your sleep schedule and say, can I truly go to bed 30 minutes early? Because as we saw, the benefits of our exercise really occur in our sleep. And exercise in normal amounts is really good for actually creating endorphins and making us feel good in many other ways. But we want to feel those benefits and those occur as we sleep. And also cortisol is cleared as we sleep. So if we're having trouble sleeping, we might want to also create a bedtime routine. So something I do is I try to turn off my electronics at least a half hour, but it should be an hour before I go to bed. I noticed if I am trying to answer client emails late at night, then when I lay down to sleep, my brain is not ready to turn off yet. So I struggle with that. So I try to get out of work things a little bit earlier and I try to turn off the TV, any blue light. I just try to kind of slow things down before I go to sleep. I try to do a self-care routine. I will be totally honest. I am not always consistent on this. But if I turn things off and I slow things down and I brush my teeth and I do my eye cream or just wash my face or whatever it is, just slow down. It helps me get ready for bed and to calm my mind. A noise canceler can also be effective. And sometimes if I'm really struggling, I'll take a melatonin and just relax in my bed and try to maybe talk to my husband or just lay there peacefully. And I get in bed before I'm actually expecting to fall asleep. I know it takes me 15 minutes to fall asleep. So I try to get in my bed knowing I'm probably not going to be asleep for another 15 to 20, maybe even 30 minutes later. So I try to give myself some leeway. Now, again, I know my young moms, this is going to be a struggle, but I want you to do your best to look at your schedule and say, can I go to bed just a few minutes earlier? And if you can't, sometimes that happens. You may want to talk to your spouse and say, is there any way that maybe, you know, a couple times a week you could wake up with a baby? Or um, if you mind getting the kids out of bed this morning, I'm going to sleep in 30 minutes longer. I know that situations vary family by family, job by job situation by situation. But I think if you could literally sit down, look at your sleep schedule, you could see where could we give and adjust a little bit so that I could have some more sleep and could be more effective. 
Now, I know that stress is tricky, but I think if we could all make a conscious effort to try to decrease our stress by clearing our schedule, improving our coping mechanisms, time blocking, creating healthy coping mechanisms, improving our sleep, or even just mindfulness, it could help decrease that stress. And we'll feel better as that stress decreases. And as that stress decreases, as Chris explains, it also helps stop suppressing our thyroid. And when our thyroid is suppressed, it causes our sex hormones to suppress. So if the cortisol is not suppressing the thyroid, then the thyroid will not be suppressing our sex hormones. And our sex hormones, as explained in the last podcast, affect our weight, our libido, how tired we are, and so many other things. So if we can not as much focus on the quick fix, but focus on, I think a lot of times we want like a hormone fix or a quick fix, but focusing on removing a toxin or what we can do we will have better success in this way instead of just trying to fix a hormone. Let's fix the conditions around the hormone. So let's try to decrease our stress because as explained in this episode, episode, wow, all of a sudden I got an accent out of nowhere. How, as I explained in this episode, stress is going to get us and it gets us in more than one way. So let's do our best to bring it down I think you guys are doing awesome. This week, let's make an effort to just add a few of these stress reliever ideas that I talked about this week and see if you can see any improvements and really try to, I think, really kick up that sleep, which would be helpful. And one of the other ideas, I think we would all see a little bit of improvement. And anytime we can improve our health, that is a win for long-term success because we want to feel some longevity in our lives and to feel awesome. So I hope this podcast was helpful. Again, if it was, please share it in your social media or with friends or with anyone you feel like could use a podcast or information on hormones. You can share the last one or this one. And also let me know. I love hearing from you. Screenshot it and tell me what you learned in a story. And I love responding on Instagram. Again, if you do not subscribe to my podcast, make sure that you go up to the top of wherever you are listening to the podcast and click subscribe so you don't miss anything. We'll talk next week.